Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's been uh, quite a week here in Middle Tennessee, Amy. Yeah, it most definitely has. I think the whole country has really been watching uh, Middle Tennessee after the tornado that came through earlier this week. Uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. And the uh, tornadoes, if you if you didn't see it, came through late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. An EF three and four. It just depends on the area of Tennessee that you were in uh, for that. But uh, the one tornado kind of started in to the west of Nashville, moved through North Nashville into uh, East Nashville and Mount Juliet. And I went all the way to Putnam County, which is over in the Cookville area, about an hour east of Lebanon in the Mount Juliet area, where it kind of left off here in the Nashville area, but just uh, some devastation around uh, several Southern Baptist churches. The Nashville Baptist Association was also damaged in that. There's a story at Baptist Press about all of that uh, in several businesses, schools, churches, homes, and unfortunately, Amy, uh, loss of more than two dozen lives uh, because it comes through in the middle of the night and you just... You just don't know it's coming if you, you know, you're sleeping through things. It's one of the most dangerous times for tornadoes to come through is in the middle of the night because people just right. aren't aware. And, right. uh, unfortunately, we lost some friends in this, uh, Donna Eaton and her husband who uh, worked with Beth at First Baptist Mount Juliet, um, were killed in their home, uh, as it collapsed. They, they just didn't know. And, uh, um, yeah. it just really sad time for that family. We're friends with that family, known them for a few years now and, Thoughts and prayers to, to all of those recovering and who've lost homes and just so much more uh, over the, yeah. the span of just a, a few hours late Tuesday or early Tuesday morning. The worst sort of loss of life situation was in the Cookville area. Yeah. And I had some uh, mutual friends with uh, the family that lost their life, the entire family, and then um, another there were a couple of families from that community that I knew have had knew people who knew them. That's been tough to see because I've seen that on on Facebook, things like that, talking about those folks just personally and really, really crazy. It was kind of a strange thing because, you know, I woke up really early in the morning, saw and learned about it and immediately was reaching out to all of my family. You know, you, you start to yeah. start to figure out what's going on. And then as day breaks, you begin to learn, um, you, you know, found out my family was all okay, but started to learn about other people that I knew that had lost a lot. So really, really tough. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to them. There's a lot of ways that you can help out with that. Uh, we've put some links to some stories at Baptist Press, and I'll also put a link to some of the community areas in Nashville if you're looking to help maybe donate for that. So uh, we are thinking of Nashville. It's uh, It's been kind of an inspiring week as well on the backside of it. Uh, a lot of people here in Nashville, very strong city, very resilient city, and um, we'll, we will move forward. And uh, yep. it's just one of those reminders. And, and then later in the week, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this more, but later in the week, we had a coronavirus uh, confirmation here in Middle Tennessee in Williamson County, the county where I live. So now, now that's going on. Yes. Well, that came a few days after a confirmation. The first, so the Williamson County resident was the first confirmation in Tennessee, correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, So in the whole state was in your county. And just a few days before that, the first case confirmed in the whole state of North Carolina was in my county. So 
Uh, It's hitting a little close to home. You're starting to pay more attention. The coronavirus is a fan of SBC This Week. That's right. That's right. Came came straight to us. Um, so it's interesting. I was telling, uh, telling Drew last night because as the, he, he attends Wake Forest High School and large population of students. And I was giving him the, like, wash your hands, don't touch your face, you know, all of these things, uh, as he goes out and is in, you know, a lot of crowds. Yeah. So our kids, because of that, I think our school system, and I don't think your school system did this, but our school system had like an automatic shutdown whenever we had a case and they, they went into shutdown mode. The, the guy apparently had two kids in the Brentwood school system. So uh, at least that's what my kids told me. Ah, so okay. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the word going around at the schools. But the the schools shut down and they're doing a deep clean this weekend and the kids aren't going back until Tuesday. So trying to handle the coronavirus as best as possible here in Middle Tennessee. So we'll talk a little bit more about that because that, that's going to be something that we're going to get a lot of questions about and a lot of uh, discussion about in the coming weeks and months, I I am sure. But we're going to jump into this, some news kind of back on the relief effort side of things. Send Relief, we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, they are combining forces at the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board under one umbrella for Send Relief. We mentioned that a president would be named at a later time. Well, that was this week, as Bryant Wright was named the president of Send Relief. Bryant Wright, pastor of Johnson Ferry for 38 years, uh, really actually well known for the kind of mission heart at Johnson Ferry, as well as their focuses on compassion ministry. This seems like a natural fit for Bryant, right? And he will report both to Kevin Ezell and Paul Chitwood to kind of coordinate their joint efforts in this. Really cool, definitely a familiar face in SBC life. And uh, it seems like this this just fits his heart. Yes, it does. Absolutely fits his heart. And uh, you mentioned that he was at, at Johnson Ferry for 38 years and just retired recently from that. Uh, we talked about that on the podcast as well, the big offering that they had in his honor back in December. Also, uh, a former SBC president, Amy, was SBC president uh, 2010, 11, 12, Amy. That's correct. So he was elected in 2010, and then he served as president during the 2011 and 2012 annual meetings. That's right. Between Johnny Hunt and Fred Luter, I believe. Correct. If, if I have my history correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Amy, because you will. But uh, so congratulations to Bryant Wright on this. We look forward to seeing more from Send Relief and see see how that organization will, will look in, in this new model going forward. So that that's something to keep an eye on, something exciting for Southern Baptists because one of our strongholds is that compassion ministry, Sin Relief at the forefront of that, and looking forward to the future of Sin Relief. Also from the IMB, and we mentioned it, we touched on this topic earlier, uh, the coronavirus, they have formed a coronavirus task force as the global threat rises. So uh, we've seen cases starting to spread, rise, uh, both of our home counties. I'm sure many of our listeners maybe have coronavirus in their state as well. So uh, IMB has formed a task force really because they've got people stationed all over the world, basically to monitor, to see what's going on, to see how they need to read and react to the spread of coronavirus as it escalates. This is something that kind of when it started, you're noticing the the news stories. I was thinking about friends we had in different parts of the world. Now it's becoming obviously something that we're all kind of thinking about. And uh, so, but I continue to think about those 
those friends that are in parts of the world, and, and we've talked about this, some of our friends that are really in, uh, quarantine's not the right word, but it's everyone basically in their community is just staying home. And mm. so they they live in a, a high rise. They're in a really heavily populated city. And so I think they are able to get out and walk walk around in their building area, you know, and kind of out in some of the spots where they can go outside a little bit, but they don't leave their building. So that's, that's crazy. I, I just, it's just hard to imagine not being able to leave your, your building, especially like we, we've got a home, you and I both have homes, but they're in right. like an apartment complex, right? Correct. And part of that is her. So, so he goes to work, but they have a small child. So that's part of ah. the, the reason is that she can't be exposed to it. So they've got some things that when he goes to work, I'm sure he takes particular, you know, precautions, but then the, as a family and, uh, and his wife, you know, she just stays there with, with their daughter and they try to walk around, stretch their legs as much as they can, but they really have to stay put. So I, I've seen that, but then you're starting to see folks, you know, prepping things, hoarding things from the stores around here. And you just realize something, you know, is going on, whether it's the reaction to it that is, that is really getting things started or, or the virus itself, we're seeing a lot of effects. Yes. I think there's just a lot of unknown as well. So hopefully in the coming days and weeks, we'll, things will be more known and we'll, we'll kind of understand how things work. And, and I think we also need some, some example cases of people contracting it, not dying and being okay. I, just yes. to kind of ease fears a little bit because everybody seems to think you get it. It's an immediate fatality. And, and that's not the case. We, it, right. it hasn't been the case the whole time, but for some reason we're just seeing more of that and the, the kind of the hysteria that comes along with that. So yes, it's definitely something for us to watch in the future, especially as the annual meeting approaches. So that's something that we'll, we'll talk about probably on next week's podcast because, uh, right. We'll, we'll tell you a little bit about something else going on later. So, uh, trustees meeting Amy over at Guidestone. They elected the first African-American woman trustee chair in Southern Baptist history, it seems, this past week. We we went through all the records. They went through all the records. And we believe that Renee Trawick is the first African-American woman trustee chairman in Southern Baptist history. That's correct. So she was elected March the 2nd. Um, she's a vice president at Marsh USA in New York, which I believe is in the banking industry. Um, and she served as vice chair of the Godstone board in 2019. She's also served on the executive board and the finance committee of her local association. So someone who's been involved at uh, multiple levels of Southern Baptist life and, uh, and, and really, you know, her, she has a great quote in the story that she says her main focus with Guidestone is helping it live out its vision to honor the Lord by being a lifelong partner with our participants in enhancing their financial security. So uh, sounds like she has a real understanding of the issues that Guidestone deals with and faces and uh, is really committed to the work. So congratulations to her. Sounds like she's very deserving. Yes. So also at the trustee meeting, Guidestone President O.S. Hawkins rolled out his annual vision calling 2020 the year of execution. Think getting things done, Amy, not guillotines on that. So a year of execution said they want to carry out a plan or vision to successful conclusion and they need to remain committed to the organization's goals of keeping focused and keeping faithful. 
So uh, they also um, also gave an update on Mission Dignity that they, last year they had more than 9,300 donors in 2019 and gave a record $9.7 million through Mission Dignity. That's a 16% increase over the 2018 donations. I know Mission Dignity is one of those great things that Southern yes. Baptists do that doesn't always get the attention it deserves. Uh, it, it's a, just an incredible program to help give dignity to pastors and widows who are toward the end of their life who who may need just an extra help to get through. Right. And uh, just yes. a great thing that they do there. Over in the investment and retirement funds, their assets grew by $2.5 billion during 2019. And for the first time, Guidestone's assets exceeded $17 billion. So this is what they manage on a day-to-day basis. A good stock market in 2019, Amy, uh, until like a week and a half ago. Right. Um, things right. are things are the rolling. Other. And then <laughs> recently, it's it's not been so good. But it'll recover. Yes. It'll be all right. They also had an update to their insurance and property and casualty information there in the story. I get this. The industry retention rate is around 70% for group plans for insurance. Mm-hmm. Guidestone's retention rate, 96.3%. Wow. That's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. Yes. Especially in the healthcare area when people are shopping like crazy, 96.3% right. retention rate. Amazing. Good stuff. Good stuff. So congratulations to OS Hawkins and all of our good friends over there at Guidestone on a, a great 2019, it seems. Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means? CP. That's right. CP pretty much flat year over year, Amy. But the good news is it's 5% over budget. So we had $19.5 million in change come in in February. That puts us just under $86 million for the year. It's about $300,000 over where we were last year, which is about 0.37%, but gives us a good $4 million cushion over the budget of around $81 million, $82 million, somewhere in that range. So solid start to CP. We still have a few months left. We have, I think, seven months left. This is after five months. So a strong start to the CP right on pace with last year. So that that's that bodes well for us in the future, Amy. Well, there you go. That's uh, I I love seeing that five point oh two percent. Even I know that's a big deal. That's a good thing. I mean, so on the yeah. national level, that's a great thing. So yes. Over to the states, Amy. Some sad news from our friends over in California. Yeah. So the California Southern Baptist, which is the official paper of the California Southern Baptist Convention, will discontinue its print and digital publications after the April 2020 issue. This is something that we've seen uh, in you know lo- lots of states. We just saw this in in Arkansas. We've seen changes and transitions in Georgia and Florida. You know other places where, which mirrors the journalism industry now mirrors yeah. kind of what's happening in newspapers across the country but it's still it's still tough and the California Southern Baptist has been in publication for over 79 years i've actually done a lot of digging in their archives they have digital archives so you can go back and track a lot of things if you're doing any kind of historical research it's got a lot of good primary sources for some of the original writings columns things like that that i've used in things i've been working on in projects before and it's a great you know piece of history and now that history you know at least in in that spot it's going to stop from yeah. at, at least where they preserve it there it's going to stop so it's kind of sad yeah it is so uh, I think the the numbers that they gave in here are no surprise to anybody, and I, I think our other state papers are seeing the same thing. But they had a record high of circulation in seventy seven seventy eight at twenty nine thousand five hundred subscriptions. 
they're now at 4,600 subscriptions. So you can see yeah. how the financial model just doesn't right. work on that. It's so, just running. It's, yeah, newspapers are running their course, which is something that even 10 years ago would have been difficult to see, but we see it on every yeah. scale. And the California Southern Baptist won't be the last Southern Baptist paper, I think, that we'll see in this. Uh, it's just, it, it's what we're seeing. It's the pattern. It's where things are headed, unfortunately. Right. It's, it's sad to see as, as we work in this industry, those circulation numbers just make it untenable. Just at make some it point. tough. So, right. Over to Southern Amy, we've got a new vice president and associate vice president. Tell us about them. Timothy Paul Jones has been announced as vice president for doctoral studies at Southern Seminary, as well as Brian Renshaw has been named associate vice president for the global campus. Timothy Paul Jones will oversee all the doctoral studies. So that would be PhD, DMIN, um, EDD, uh, other things like that. He's also chair of the Department of Apologetics, Ethics, and Philosophy, teaches Christian family ministry. So he's been around for quite a while. Uh, well, you know, just well known in SBC academic life. And so this, you know, it's not a surprise to see him have an administrative role like that or to, a leadership role like that. And then uh, Brian Renshaw has nearly 10 years of experience in online education at Southern Seminary, has been um, in the, worked in the provost's office, has worked uh, as director of instructional design just done a lot of things. So he will now really oversee, uh, you know, I like, I like the way they brand that the global campus, um, but helping them reach students all over the world through their online programs. So just a couple, a couple of cool announcements and um, hope that, that uh, as they start off in their roles, that they will have success. Absolutely. So congratulations to them. And that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history, Amy blow our minds. I'm going to go to 1981. Just something that that I noticed as I was looking through old Baptist Press articles and at a conference. So we're hearing a lot about conferences these days, really because I'm, we're noticing all these conferences that get canceled everywhere. So I've seen a lot of agendas as I have looked. I actually learned about a conference yesterday that's been canceled, hosted by Clorox. And I thought, my goodness, if Clorox is having to cancel their conferences, then, you know, it's uh, this must be really bad. But I saw in this old 81 issue of Baptist Press about a conference for religious educators. This is for the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Religious Education Association. And it was meeting at the beginning, like right before the SBC that year. Uh, so they were meeting in Los Angeles. And the theme was equipping for the exciting 80s. Woo. And it just got my attention because I thought, wow, this it was kind of this idea of thinking about uh, the future, getting ready for this decade. They said, we want to help our membership see the opportunities that are ours in the 1980s. And it would really focus on the minister of education, the family and the church had all these people that were listed who were participating. The themes were what really got my attention. So there was equipping yourself for the exciting 80s, equipping your family for the exciting 80s, equipping your church for the exciting 
eighties. And it talked about like understand there was one that was on understanding the families of the eighties, which I would love to know what that presentation was. Cause it's so interesting to think about the beginning of that decade. And the, of course, because that's the decade I really grew up in. I was a, a child in. And so it's probably the most nostalgic for me. Um, looking back on that, I, I, I put in my mind, what did it look like at the beginning of that as they were preparing? Kind of like we do when we say it's 2020 and we're thinking through the future. Now it's so much in the past. So I wonder, you know, what, what they were anticipating as they, as they got ready. So there were things like Christian parenting in the eighties, um, which would be curious to, to know what that was like to, to think about. I mean, my parents were Christians parenting me in the eighties and religious education trends in the eighties, equipping your church to reach people. Some of them are questions that we even have today, but it was during a decade that, you know, right there at the beginning of the Reagan administration. So a lot is going on politically. A lot of things were going on around the world, the hostage crisis had sort of just come to a close. The kind of energy crisis that we had been in was, we were on the backside of that, kind of moving into this decade. But what did it seem like at the beginning? And we know also, of course, that was at the beginning of a very difficult time for the Southern Baptist Convention. But at this stage in 81, when they're really just kind of thinking about how to help people on the ground, it was, what's the experience of the family? So I thought it was just kind of cool, especially I liked the title there that it was equipping for the exciting 80s, which I think they were pretty exciting. So they were talking about asking some of the questions we continue to ask. How do we parent families? How do we uh, lead our churches to help families? Uh, but they were asking it this week in SBC history. That's really cool. And yeah. uh, I, I just sent you a picture of the Millennium Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles, the lobby. It is stunning, Amy. Stunning. Oh, nice. Okay, I just got I, that. I bet it has yeah. been redone since the eighties because that, I that bet looks it has. amazing. I bet it has. That's pretty. That's pretty legit. So that's where they had this event. Was yeah. at the Biltmore Hotel. Yeah, that's a pretty nice one to. That's a pretty nice place to think about like families in in the eighties. Yeah, it is. So, all right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week, Amy. Your resource of the week is. So mine is a, a Kickstarter project from a really good friend of mine and Keith's. Uh, his name's Eric Peters. And I have actually, I think, put some of his albums as resources of the week on here before. But he's got a Kickstarter project for a six-song hymns EP. And this Kickstarter's been going on for a little while. They've actually passed the sort of beginning goal. They had had some stretch goals, things like that. But this is near and dear to my heart this week because this friend of ours, um, who is singer, songwriter, artist, all of these things, his family lives, uh, they were in the path of the tornado in Nashville and they lost everything. They lost, mm. they were yeah. in the house. They were all, um, their lives were spared, which is pretty incredible. They didn't make it down to the basement. He just essentially threw, he, the way he said it is he threw himself on top of their 11-year-old son right as the house exploded, is what, what the way he described it. So they were in the house when it happened. They are okay, but they lost their home. They lost his art studio. They lost all of um, all of his art. A lot of things that his wife was uh, working on. She's a, um, does a lot, I think, with, she's a, 
a seamstress, like makes clothes, does just an incredible job. I think they, they've pretty much lost everything. But this project that he was working on, I think everything had been recorded. He's got friends that are coming around him, but they they still needed some things to be able to finish the production of it. And so they surpassed the initial goal, but they they really did you know, need more. There's been a fundraiser for him and his family, but the Kickstarter project is still going on. And the, I I really love the title of this hymns project is called earth has no sorrow. And I'm sure that a lot of what he's been working on for that is very poignant this week. But I, as soon as this happened, I I thought, well, I want to share that. All right. Wow. That's, that's really cool. I'm going to have to buy one of these. Eric Peters, a Baton Rouge native. So got to support my guy here. Yeah. So we, we grew up in Baton Rouge about the same time, a few miles apart. We didn't know each other, but we we were there at the same time, lived literally yeah. like five miles apart. He's just a, he's a great guy. He's done two house concerts for us, one in Nashville when we lived there and one here. He came to North Carolina and did a house concert and just, just a very humble guy. This was just tough to see what they're going through. So yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, check that out. Also, my resource of the week is an article over at the ERLC website from Scott James. It's kind of a Q&A with Scott James on the coronavirus. So if you need more information, want more things, Scott James, uh, we've talked about on the podcast just last week, in fact. And we, we mentioned how he's like part-time children's author and full-time doctor. And uh, he's an infectious yeah. disease specialist. Uh, so those those two things, that big overlap. He's like the only part-time children's author and infectious disease specialist in the world. Renaissance he, man. He's a renaissance man. He's the most interesting man in the SPC. Yes. So uh, check out that if you're interested. You want more information on COVID-19, the coronavirus, just to get a grasp of the full thing. I spent some time with him on the phone this week talking about a couple other things and this and just trying to to wrap my head around it. And he's he's been very helpful. So he's got a good article over at the ERLC website. So I, I highly recommend that. And uh, to pastors and those who are kind of trying to figure out what to do around your church, uh, how it goes with the with the virus, it's a good resource here. Dr. Rayner, I think, also had a, a good resource, a, a blog post at the beginning of the week over at TomRayner.com. You can check out there because he had a, a something you know more specific to churches. So some resources there for the church about coronavirus help everybody keep informed because information is power in this one. Uh, you, you need to know what's going on and you need to know how this thing works. So uh, do check that out over at ERLC.com. That's Scott James on the coronavirus. Yes. All right. That's going to do it for our show this week. Kind of a short one, Amy, uh, kind of a light news week with some heavy items, uh, you know, especially as uh, Nashville kind of recovers from this uh, tornado outbreak, but uh, we do want to say we, we probably will have some more information on the coronavirus next week on on the next show. So yes. we, we've got a phone call with some entities on Monday just to kind of get an idea of what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention as far as how institutions are responding to this. Uh, so far, I, our institutions have responded very well. You know, IMB oh, has the task force. I, I know Southeastern sent out some stuff. I know the other seminaries, they're sending out information. Keep your people informed, folks. Uh, same thing. We I had a church email that went out yesterday because the our, our church is located kind of in that Williamson County area, so there's a lot of you know questions about things. So our church had a good response to that. So I know if if you're out there, you got a local church, you need to have a communication plan for things in place before you need it. So uh, that's something I would encourage everybody to work on if they haven't already. 
to have a, a coronavirus communication plan and uh, just kind of look around for some different things. We'll be providing some resources as well over at the Executive Committee and Baptist Press in the coming days. But that's going to do it for us this week. Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week.